back to another episode of Andrew Says. My guest, the always wonderful Ryan Long. How are you, buddy? Yeah. I just uh, lost all my money on Luna. What is so that? I'm gonna ju- really? You know, okay, so Luna is uh, this stock, or uh, sorry, like a cryptocurrency crypto, right. scam. It's a crypto scam that people lost all their money on and, and like over 10 people killed themselves. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's the death that no one wants to talk about. That's a dark, dark start to the episode. How have you, uh-huh. <laughs> how have you been? Um, are so you if you if, right if you if you have any money left, so I, I, to me, I think that all the people that committed suicide, um, it's sort of like a coward's way out because if you think about it, really, you could probably pawn your stuff, steal from your mom, and buy the dip. I think that you know, I think Luna is going straight up from here. This so is in my mind. This is economics 101, I think, about yeah. crypto. So that was a dip that was meant to be bought. And I don't care where you have to get that money. If you have to pawn your mom's jewelry to herald the jewelry buyer. So yeah, that's right. That's a good that's a good reference. And um, and uh, he I don't know. <laughs> I'm uh, bulldozing over you with my Toronto commentary. That's fine. Herald the jewelry buyer as of uh, today is in court right now for uh, <laughs> he, he sells mortgages now, right? And he essentially like scammed this like mentally challenged woman out of her house. <laughs> that, why does that happen so much in Toronto? Do you remember the old story of the woman who was panhandling and pretending she'd have seizures and she'd go back to her penthouse? Oh yeah, that was a that classic. Was, that, yo, that was like one of the best hustles ever, though. That that was other people that were you know homeless kind of look up to that. That's their like Gary <laughs> V. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, well, that's man. New York and New York homeless are, you know, they mean business, right? They they all have that, like, you know, because you know how like Gary Vee, it's like every time you take a shit, like that's five minutes of productivity that you just flush <laughs> down the drain, right? Whereas the homeless people, when you see them taking shits on the street, that's because they just, you know what I mean? They they can't take the time off of uh, panhandling. <laughs> I'm... So that's when you see that you're like, oh, this look at this guy. He's you know he's given up on life. He's shitting on the streets. But in reality, he's just not taking time off. Well, whereas you know you plebeians, and that's how he gets ahead. You know mm. that guy probably has five homeless guys working for him. That's what people don't realize. <laughs> but in New York homeless, he goes back to his penthouse on top of the <laughs> Empire State Building. That's a uh, real productivity there. I want that's, to. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, y'all sleep and he's working. I've always wanted to reconnect with um, what's his name, Cashman Russell Oliver. I want to bring him back into the limelight. If you're talking about Toronto jewelry guys, he was the best of the jewelry guys. I actually did a show back in the day called Crown the Town with Ryan Long, where we interviewed all the jewelry buyer guys, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, Oliver was the coolest one, probably. He was uh, the biggest personality. The other ones, I mean, it's a scummy business, right? So you have to. The whole business model is essentially, you know, bring in your family heirlooms and we'll give you 15 cents for them. Right. Like that's essentially what they do. Why don't you make a music video with him? That would be off the charts. I could come back to Toronto. Yeah, that could be my return. Me and Oliver uh, start a podcast together, essentially (laughs) a a hip hop podcast. (laughs) I don't know if a podcast is the right way to go. I don't know how much how much how much legs the Russell Oliver podcast will have. You'll have to be carrying that, I think, unless he's you're just financially of, backing it. You're thinking of more of like a white boy rap thing where we rap really fast. I'm thinking of just straight up make a new commercial for him that can also go on your page as an option. So there's definitely a lot of options and I'm <laughs> uh, 
that's the thing. There's you you can always be doing more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like every day you wake up and you go, you know what? I think I did a lot today. But did you start a rap career with Russell Oliver? You did not. So you didn't do everything, <laughs> did you? <laughs> I guess you can't don't put off today or till tomorrow what can be done today. How is New York treating you? It's good. But yes, I am uh, going on tour. Look, I have him there. So I'm coming to Vancouver and Edmonton. So yeah, look at the fellas, fellas tour. Well, those people, yeah, Van- I, in Toronto and Canada, I'm coming to Vancouver and Edmonton, and I'm probably going to add uh, more dates. I'm probably going to do a Toronto, and I'm probably going to do Montreal, Calgary. Go ahead and uh, add an Oshawa show to that one for me. That's a close, a bit, a little bit closer. Oshawa, yuck, yuck, shout out. Yeah, there's, but the thing is, Oshawa, I think that it's close enough to Toronto that I don't know if I'll do. This Oshawa is just for my convenience only. That's- do you live in Oshawa right now? No, I live close to it though. That's a I'm dumb. from Oshawa. Um, Whoa, yeah, bro, my hometown. Aren't you from what? Ajax? Are, is this news to you? Are, is this like <laughs> what? People think Oshawa is a this is, Yeah, yeah. This is the first you're hearing of this that yeah, Oshawa is a dump. This is new to me. <laughs> I thought that when you go to the south end and see the dilapidated houses and the people, you know, doing various yeah, yeah. drugs that I won't name. This well, my mom normal. lived there for the last ten years. What's her exact intersection? Um, well, she's sort of, you know, she's uh, just different street corners, right? But <laughs> I didn't mean she, like different that. street corners and then hourly motels, essentially. That sounds so, like the south <laughs> end of Simcoe to me. <laughs> she, yeah, it depends on you know what client she's working with and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, Ajax, how we. How we are enemies, I guess, mortal enemies. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about regarding New York, though, is I know that your most of your skits are done in there. The Tucker Carlson one, though, that you just dropped a couple days ago, it's almost like, do you ever say this is going to be almost too easy? Do you have to parse through the material that you get to just take the 99% best of them? Like, I feel like you went out there and just being like, this is going to be too easy. Well, yeah. So the video I did was I asked New Yorkers if they wanted to <laughs> donate to it to Tucker Carlson. And what was the documentary called? You were telling them? Oh, I, I just kept making up new ones. Killery the, the, and the something. I, I said, yeah, Killery and liberal lies. And then I had told them <laughs> they said there's one called Teachers Are Pedophiles. And I said, no, but we can just take your picture and we'll put it in the credits so everyone knows you're yeah. part of the project. And everyone's like, no, I don't want to. Well, I was doing a bunch of those. I did one. Uh, I did it. I did kind of the same thing uh, before where I was promoting the disinformation uh, governance board. And I was like, and then I did one like promoting CNN plus. And then, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So I was kind of doing a bunch of those where I was getting people to try to like sign up for something that they didn't want to. You run into a naked guitar player, man, a couple of times. That guy's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. He's been there for 30 years. Yeah. So there's this guy that uh, lives in New York and he's at times square and he there's, so there's two uh, regulars in times square. Well, there's a few, but the, um, one of them is uh, this, there's this, this uh, lady that basically just, she's naked and she plays guitar. And then there's a guy <laughs> that's naked and plays guitar. But the lady's like, you know, 60 years old and mm-hmm. like big, saggy fucking tits. <laughs> and then uh, the naked cowboy dude, every time you're fil- filming a video, he always comes, he always gets involved, right? So yeah, the naked cowboy guy's always there. It's kind of a, a, Toronto has a few of those guys, right? They have like the silver Elvises and stuff like that. But yeah, the, Times Square is a few staples. There's a Batman guy that uh, that I'm like friends with now. I think uh, was he in a video? I feel like I remember yeah, that he did guy. A video. 
me and him were talking about uh, which kind of titties he liked. You're and right. Then, yeah. <laughs> I love when the videos devolve into just like, I'm sure you went out there for a different purpose and it's just one guy just going, who's willing to answer any question you throw at him totally. for 25 minutes. That's kind of essentially what happens. Yeah. There was a, there was a guy that I did. So I did this video for CNN plus, and then they tried to kick me out of the market. And then this mm -hmm. guy, that guy, started, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this guy started yelling at everyone being like, you can't kick him out of the market. And I, I, I was sort of like, yeah, this guy is my back. Right. And it ended up being a whole big thing. And the video kind of went viral. And then, um, uh, I, so people kept tagging me in this. Everyone was telling me I need to get that guy on like the podcast and stuff like that. But I don't know what, I don't know. I didn't get his information or anything. Right. And I was kind of like, maybe I could track this guy down. And then I found yesterday people were tagging me in this video where some other guy that filmed yeah, was filming was him. Yeah. And then in the video, he was arguing with this other guy. And then he goes, just so you know, I was on this, uh, comedians uh page talking about uh free speech and it just did 400,000 views like just <laughs> yesterday and he was like bragging about his like fame for my video so he, he's like feeling himself right now because he's like because everyone loved him in the video all the comments were like this guy's the man so he's kind of walking around telling other people like I don't know if you know this but I'm like a viral star currently and he's bragging so I'm I'm gonna post that clip of him saying that and see if anyone could track him down i'm sure now he's just the free speech activist for whatever this you know farmer's market is maybe he's hanging around there more well people liked him because he was kind of he was this like super liberal guy or whatever but um like a, a liberal guy that's into free speech kind of like the old school ones so that's why everyone liked him because mm -hmm. they were like yeah this is a lot of people were like yeah this is how i see myself as like you know, fairly liberal, but like, I don't think that has to include that I'm like trying to shut down speech or whatever. Yeah. Everybody sees themselves as a guy roaming the park, defending free that's speech. A, <laughs> that's what everyone said. They're like, yo, this guy's the man that a lot of, a lot of the comments, the gist of it was like, this is how it used to be. Like that's a, this guy was uh, the good old days for them. You know what I mean? For sure. That, that, Cause that gets like a dying breed a little bit. The, I mean, there's obviously some out there, but more than know, a little like bit. A, yeah, that's like a dying breed, like the liberal who likes free speech, I think. The last, sort of yeah. say that they kick you out, sort of, I think, that if you're like, oh, if you like free speech, they're like, well, <laughs> then you're the club. The last time we spoke, we talked about how you were sort of felt that you were ahead of the curve on like not believing any of the politicians on either side. Do you feel, I, I think it's been like six months or something since, since we last had you on. Do you think that that has become more obvious to people now? No, I don't think it's become more <laughs> obvious to people. But uh, yeah, politicians are professional room readers, right? So they, I don't think, you know, they basically are really good right now, especially as partisan things are right now. Po politicians are very good at, you know, feeling out the same way I might do that in like a comedy club. They're really good at feeling out what they think their base wants to hear and then, you know, kind of regurgitating their own opinions back to them, right? The popular opinions. And uh that just gets worse and worse. But no, I think that people are even more, uh, it's almost like, I would say when the, like as far as like left and right stuff, to me, it was kind of like, like left were getting uh, pretty, you know, wild in terms of like everyone's kicked out of their group. Now I see that kind of happening again on the right or whatever. And it's almost like, it's not like one got better. I'd say that they're both bad, uh, both more bad now. Like I would say the two least favorite people on Twitter are, if you get like, and the people that never get your jokes is if you get like quote tweeted by someone that their thing is like mega 421, 
pay, mega patriot, let's go, Brandon, mom, you know, God, that, that woman, or like non-binary, she, her, you know, Ukraine. If you see those two people tweeting, you, you can almost guarantee that's not going to be a fun person. <laughs> well, I do this thing where I like to just bait those sort of people. So when Elon Musk was taking over Twitter, I went ahead and said, if Elon Musk buys Twitter, then I'm moving to Canada, specifically Oshawa, Ontario. And all the replies were from the, the accounts you described. We don't want your kind in Canada. We don't need any more left-wing <laughs> wusses in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Too many wokesters here already. And it has, and I think you're right, it's become even <laughs> fired easier. Up. Yeah, yeah, and that's just like, you didn't do, you didn't even click on my Dude, profile. Republicans are fired up right now. They're, they're sick of this shit. <laughs> did you see what happened, uh, what Beto O'Rourke did in Texas? Uh, I did, yeah. Yeah, he just walks he up. He kick-flipped onto the stage with his slingshot. <laughs> he, it, We're laughing at it, but what he did was he walks into a room where the sheriff and the senator and the mayor of the town where the kids got killed are talking about what they want to do, and there's parents on stage, too, and he's just like, you haven't done enough. You, this is your fault. And it's like, you talk about reading the room. I'm not sure what he was reading there, though. And he had all his cameras with him. He was looking for a viral moment. Yes, of course. Yeah, so. yeah. They're like, I don't know. What's what's your opinion on, because uh, obviously Canada's so much different than America. Like this stuff, like school shootings don't happen there. What do you think? I think that on most of these cases, it turns out that the kid has been spoken to about it before is on some sort of brain altering drug and usually they ignore for lack of a better term the red flags about this kid and i don't understand why they don't put like in for the last like 30 years i feel like in like the hood if you want to call it that or like violent neighborhoods where gangs will actually come to to school to act out gang killings they've had metal detectors they've had clear backpacks they've had security I had metal guards. detectors in my school there you go so i don't understand yeah. and police we had police in my school i don't understand school. why there can't be like some people say like one entrance that's kind of a fire hazard in my opinion but why can't you just have secure they don't have to scan everybody that comes in because the difference... i don't know they can't really skim off the ukraine budget though <laughs> i've been hearing some people say stuff like that like why can't you just have security just at the entrances and exits. Like they don't, I don't even think you need to go as far as metal detectors. You can tell when somebody's trying to sneak a lot of guns in, I think, maybe I'm wrong, but you, you wouldn't have to scan every person unless there's a, uh, a, what's the word I'm looking for? A pattern of people sneaking weapons into school. Otherwise in these last few situations, it's just been literally somebody walking up to the school with guns. And there's also a deterrent from there's also like a deterrent element, mm -hmm. just the idea that people know that there is security there. But I think that that's like uh, not going to be a popular. I don't, I don't think that like from partisan wise, that'll be popular because it sort of like concedes that people aren't going to get the gun control they want if they agree to that. So I think that that's why that's going to be hard to actually pass. Well, when we look at gun control, I think it comes like some of the most recent evidences of why it's not good to take everyone's guns away is like australia for example to a lesser extent canada but in australia uh they decided to lock people up in camps for a while if they thought they were sick and then they, they which resulted in some people trying to get smuggled out in trunks of cars and highway patrol catching them and everything so i think that there and i think it was my friend uh, gary sheffield who said this that the reason why they wouldn't even try that in America is because people have guns. I don't know if that's I've true. I've heard that. 
yeah, yeah, I've heard that. I mean, I've been thinking about that a lot over the last two days. And uh, I, I think that it's like a narrative people like to believe if you're into guns. I mean, it, it it's like, I think you, it's hard to parse out like a culture that's, you know, uh, like freedoms kind of embedded in their thing and the guns. So you can, it, there might be, you know, right now that may not be true, but that may be because of the fact that there is like a, a second amendment here. So it, it might, it's hard to like remove those two things and look at them independently, even if it's not at the moment directly connected. That's a very like difficult it's subject. It's possible if they, if there was like far stricter gun control, like, you know, red states in America would still have had the same reaction. Like, obviously that's a possibility. So um, I don't know. There's a, it is a it is a tough one and it's like the one thing that i i was kind of saying that i like it's kind of interesting whenever you see people whenever someone right now i've seen a lot of people kind of saying like oh this is crazy that people are using this for political purposes you know what i mean people will be like oh i can't believe that you know that's so wrong of you to use this shooting for you know to try to push your political ends and i'm just like yeah everyone does that i'm like <laughs> to me it's like naive to even like that to point that out you're like Every yeah, you're you go. Are you are you are you blind? Like that's what everyone does always on both sides. The same you know the same way that someone on the fucking left wing right now is like, oh look at um, there's a you know this school shooting. This is why we need more gun control. Okay, imagine if uh, there was like 15 trans kids that you know transitioned at 50 at, at 14 years old and they all died. Would the right not be like this is why we need this to stop and politics? Yeah, and, of course, obviously. I don't even. It's like a truism that that's going to happen. So I don't know. It's like, it just seems crazy to me to kind of point out, be, oh, can you believe these guys? And you're like, yeah, you also do that. And so does everybody. That's kind of the game. Well, yeah, that's why it's surprising that Beto O'Rourke wasn't actually kick-flipping his skateboard. <laughs> uh, zoom in on a picture of that guy and you'll see the sadness in his eyes is what I say. Um, this is a far stretch from what I texted you about. You said monkey Two Canadians <laughs> talking about guns, huh? <laughs> we should. No, that's fine. I'm just saying I asked you what you want to talk about and you said monkeypox. <laughs> oh, I was kind of kidding. <laughs> I'm not. If you want to talk about monkeypox, Ryan Long, and this helps you sleep at night, I will be your therapist about monkeypox. Well, apparently uh, there's some debate, but a lot of people are sort of saying it came in from gay bathhouses. So I don't know if you've gotten checked, but. Uh, uh, I mean, this is what I deserve. I'm starting to learn now, Ryan, when we do our live streams during the day, we get like the super chats and stuff. I'm starting uh, to learn that the people that that associate with me or watch me or whatever, they do just they just give it to me, you know, and I think that's what I deserve. I think point. the guys in the bathhouse were giving it to you. I did read a BBC article that said it is. Yeah, you did. Um, <laughs> BBC magazine. <laughs> this is. I'm all right. I'm just gonna let you go. I was <laughs> I was listening to some a podcast yesterday that said, <laughs> "Don't interrupt the comedian when he's free flowing." Before <laughs> I wasn't free flowing. You just like I'm. You're like I'm not gay. I was just these guys were giving it to me and BBCs. <laughs> you're going on and on about BBCs. I didn't want to. And I was listening to the Village People recently <laughs> as well and. Um, no, but the British Broadcasting Corporation article was talking about how it is something that's, uh, you know, prevalent in the gay community and that it's one of these things that you can only get through, you know, the same way you can get I don't think only any. get, but I think, you know, the, that was kind of the where it started allegedly, but it is but what it also is. Also, some people don't even get symptoms if they've gotten it, which is interesting. But Belgium has put in lockdowns already, which is an interesting reaction to that. I don't know. 
Right. It was just making me laugh. The idea that, you know, them kind of saying that, oh, everyone's getting monkeypox from the gay bathhouse. And then some guy with monkeypox explaining to his wife, like, OK, I can explain. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, uh, and the idea that, like, because the who was like, you know, we need to do more research and stuff like that. When that's like they're sending, you know, Fauci out to the bathhouses. <laughs> <laughs> in the field research he's coming back he's like all right so i don't have monkeypox and believe me i tried i wouldn't be surprised if monk uh monkeys fauci's new wardrobe was a robe like hafner style he should have just started pulling that that out towards the end of the the last bit coming out with a pipe and a and a robe and just really not caring at all yeah just laying pipe with his robe on <laughs> no uh, but yeah so ever of course you know i'm sure that monkeypox is going to be like good for the Let's oh, we got another pandemic. They're like probably revved up because people are kind of over COVID. But I don't know. That's what I was saying. It's like it just feels like naive to like think that everything isn't going to get used for some political purposes. Like mm. I always think it's funny when the parents do it. There's like there was this, uh, you know, th there's a lot of articles like this, but there was a pretty famous one that like went pretty viral. It's like this mom that she's making her son wear a dress to school to kind of fight gender norms, right? And then basically the son comes home and he's like, oh, I was getting bullied and all this stuff. And her, yeah. she's like writing these articles being like, can you believe that these kids are bullying him? And it's like, yeah, also you made your son wear a dress to school. So yeah, probably you're <laughs> like, you're the issue. It's kind of a, there's like a lot of things like that where I, I was kind of making fun of, um, there's this show in the dark. It's about like a blind detective, you know what I mean? And and there's like kind of a vibe of some of the press materials like what like what's the problem like a blind person can't be, uh, you know what I mean, a detective or uh, Love Island kind of puts like they'll every season they'll put like a few, you know, like overweight people in it now just the girls right like the guys are all still like chiseled but the girls they'll put a few like not hot girls in it and then they'll kind of get bullied on the internet of people being like oh these girls aren't hot and then the vibe is like oh, look at all these bullies. And it was like, yeah, but you put like a not hot person in a hot person show. It's kind of like putting a, you like, it's like putting like a 10 year old in the NBA. Like everyone bets on the, uh, everyone bets on like their team. And then they replace the star center with like a 10 year old who flubs and everyone loses their money. And everyone's like, yo, screw this kid. And they're like, can you believe these people yelling at a kid? And you're like, no, you're the one who did this. You, you, you have a hot people show. And then someone, some of the people on that show have like committed suicide. Oh my God. And, yeah. But it's like, they're sort of put, you put them in this position. It's like a, a show where the people like, who's this helping on a show where the whole thing is the guys pick which one they think is the hottest. And then they put a girl that's not hot in the show. She doesn't get picked. The internet bullies her. And the show's attitude is like, can you believe these animals on the internet? And it was like, you kind of put people in these positions to fail. Well, it, it happens a lot with the woke stuff. You look at the Sports Illustrated swimsuit thing, and it's like you are setting this person up to be bullied because you, you know lied that's to them. what's going to happen. And yeah, you're looking to get clicks. Like, and by the way, that girl was not, you know, that like, it's not like she was like morbid or whatever. Like she was fine. Like, it's not like if your friend was with that chick, you wouldn't be like, oh, you'd be like, oh, whatever. It's just like a woman. You know what I mean? But the uh, it is true. It's on this thing. They know they're like, hey, we'll put this, you know, woman that's, you know, overweight or whatever on the cover. And then everyone will get mad about it. But. I guess that's the game for these people, but 
obviously that's going to happen. So everything, everyone does exactly what you think they would do. And then they kind of, uh, their business model is almost like sacrificing a person, but I guess she gets more <laughs> famous or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. the, uh, something that's going on right now, the World Economic Forum, I imagine you're, you're knee deep into this, I'd have to imagine. <laughs> um, and now I don't know if Klaus Schwab he should be on the cover of Playgirl I think that's a sex symbol they're <laughs> apparently their motto that's where this he started is, monkey Fox, probably <laughs> <laughs> their motto this year is to b regain trust so I've been seeing some there's I, I don't know which country he's from but there's some YouTuber who's like come on down to the World Economic Forum thousands of smart people come here every year to make the world a better place there's presidents there's prime ministers, there's doctors, there's all these people who want to make life better for you. Meanwhile, it's like, eat the bugs, don't own anything. And it's like, we've reached this level of dystopian world where we now have social media influencers who think it's cool. Like, let's promote these billionaires and see how amazing they are. But at the same time, I'm against the billionaires and I'm against the government. And this apex or this nexus, maybe? Yeah, they got people, They yeah, they got those people wrapped up, right? That is, that is like one of the greatest sort of political or whatever cultural movements ever is sort of convincing, you know, activism to like support essentially like mainstream power or whatever. It's pretty, it's almost like brilliant. To me, the funny part about the World Economic Forum is whenever you see these clips where they're, they're having these like panel discussions and they almost, people will, the things that everyone will say was a the conspiracy theories, they will kind of like openly be saying, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and be, they're talking very, oh yes. And you know what, there could be a future where everyone lives in a cage and <laughs> we have their TV in the cage and it's actually pretty good. And the person's like, no, what size would this cage be? Like, no, eight <laughs> by 10 could be. And everyone's like, wait, why are they saying this? Like, shouldn't they be pretending, at least pretending that they don't think this? It like blows my mind, the stuff that they say publicly. And then, so some of this stuff, people will be like, oh, this conspiracy. And you're like, they're, well, they're kind of saying it for real. Like, I don't know if uh, it's a conspiracy when they're like saying it. There was this one um, minister from India who was openly saying how he has known Klaus Schwab for so long. And Klaus Schwab, who's the guy who tells all the capitalists of the, world's, of the world what to do. And then our reporter was just like, wait, what did you say? You said that he rules the capitalists of the world. And he's like... Yeah, but, you know, I've known him for longer than anybody. I've known him since before it was called the World Economic Forum. So he basically, his point was that he's known Klaus Schwab for so long ruling the world that it was before it was called the World Economic Forum. And that's what he was bragging about. Not the part where he says that he rules the capitalists of the world and tells them what to do. This is how yeah, disconnected yeah. these people are. He was into him before he was cool. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's, a, there's the, the obviously the, you know, big money on kind of the resistance of that as well so there is kind of like a split you know there's the george soros of the world and then there's the Koch brothers of the world so there is uh big money kind of going in all, uh, flowing in different directions it's not it's not like completely obvious that they're gonna get what they want but like i have i have uh i'm not necessarily a pessimist when it comes to the future not necessarily no i don't think so i mean well i don't have i don't have a crystal ball i'm not merlin but i do think that uh <laughs> that i do I, yeah merlin <laughs> that all, i've been talking a lot about that, that all people who watch like global tv in the early 2000s know 
I think Merlin's just like the standard name for any magician. The Merlin like. in the ball. He's always holding a crystal ball. And shining yeah, yeah, yeah. It. No, I've been talking a lot about how girls just love whimsical stuff. You know, like girls are into witchcraft and all that stuff. But the biggest difference is when you say like, if you think about any guy that went home with a girl that we, this is how much little we care. If we, any guy was with a girl and she was like, Oh, I'm a witch. I'm into witchcraft. We'd all be like crazy. We can still have sex. You know what I mean? But if any girl went home with a guy and he was like, listen, I'm a warlock. She would have to be, okay. I'm really not into the Knights of the round table and Chris angel. Yeah, and you're, you're out of there. Right. I think yeah, you as a crit, a, just a redo of Chris Angel's. You wouldn't have to change anything if you just do every stunt that Chris Angel did in the exact same way. It would be hilarious. I mean, in his show, you can do his stunts because they're all camera tricks. Exactly. Like, his show was just absolutely insane. Like, obviously, there's you know a lot of magicians and there is a like a super high level talent component to it. You know, especially with the hand movements and card tricks and all. But Chris Angel's tricks on his show were just like. <laughs> Okay, I'm here, and it's like, now look, I'm on the roof. (laughs) He's just literally using just wires. The one where he levitates is just literally him pushing himself up on see-through, like, stands that he's standing on. And they're transparent, so he just just pushes himself up on them, and they're like, oh, my God, he's floating. Yeah, yeah, some of the the tricks are insane. There was one where it's... uh, yeah, he walks across water, yeah. and then it's like, yeah, there was glass in the water. It's, like, <laughs> it's literally just like, let's make a show that's supposed to be magic, and it's just special effects, and we just won't overtly say what it's supposed to be. And then people... Street and- magic was better, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I actually did. I directed. There's this magician, Rob Testa, and he got some money to you know do some videos and stuff like that back when I was in Canada. And I directed his uh, magic specials, right? It's kind of like a mini series, right? Um, and so I, I kind of was in the, you know, that world, kind of like submersed in that world for a couple <laughs> weeks. And I kind of found out how all the tricks worked. And there was a lot of a lot of gadgets, right? There's a lot of like, you know, string you can't see and this and that, right? But um, the funny part was filming that show, the like stereotype that um, like black people are, they laugh more and stuff like that. It really was legitimately an issue. We were filming it on the on the Danforth beaches, right? And so you would go and you'd get like 10 good reactions from black people and you'd literally have to be like, all right, well, we need, you'd have to try to get, because you don't just want to, ju- you just want, you don't want to just, just have like one type of person that is, uh, that you're doing the tricks to, right? Um, and it really was hard to get like white people to get a good reaction because they're all just like, nah, oh, cool. <laughs> Yeah, whereas black people are enjoying themselves. They're like, yo. So <laughs> that's like a trope that actually, you know, I was witnessing in real time where we're like, all right, well, we got 10 great reactions, but it's like, it's all from like a black dude. Okay, well, now we need to find like an Asian dude or, you know, some girls, whatever, right? We can't just have the same thing. On, but I, I don't know. That always makes me laugh. I'm like, it's like so true that stereotype is. They the family guy, family guy clip. But it was, I watched it in real time. I, yeah, it's better. Uh, over and over again. Yeah, that's, be- that's better to be able to be excited about things than to, you know what I mean? Be like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, magic has suffered due to like everything. The internet just gives you so much more knowledge to be able to do it. I remember when Penn and Teller first came out with their show 
fool us. There was, it was like a huge deal that somebody could fool them. And now the last time I checked it out a couple months ago, it's like three people per episode can fool them because people have just been doing it their whole lives. And it's no longer kid goes into magic shop in like 1970s Brooklyn and gets intrigued. It's kid studies magic day in and day out for 30 oh, yeah. years and gets insanely good at it and is better than the people who are famous for it. That's everything right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, doing those hand movements over and over and over and over again. But I mean, the same way that, you know, if someone from the NBA right now played, you know, 20 years ago, they would just like demo to like a level that's unfathomable. Right. And that's comedy and that's everything. You know, the, the level of uh, work that, you know, people are putting into their, you know, YouTube and podcast businesses is just so much higher. So I've, I always kind of talk about how it's a really bad era for like the tortured artist, the, you know, the I'm depressed, tortured artist. Like, I don't know if I could work today. I'm kind of just getting drunk. And it was like, all right, just, you know, like you'll just disappear and no one will ever hear from you again. Cause it's like, you know, the same way that in professional sports, the, 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 you know, the guy that smokes isn't, uh, very, you don't see that guy too often. Right. The, the, the kind of, uh, you know, person who's running like a, you know, internet business that's like a mess and they're all over the place and, you know, depressed. And it's like, yeah, at this level that people are operating right now, it's like, you're just going to get murked. I don't, is that just as true in comedy though? Cause I don't see too many like 20 or like, doesn't it still take at least like six or seven years before you're, you have like 20 minutes or something, let's say. And people are going to pay to come see you, or are there people coming up now that are like 22 that are just really good? I'm, uh, I, I didn't say that they're really good when they're three years in, but the level that people are working mm. is a lot. Yeah, so you will see. I mean, there's good parts and bad parts because you do see uh, a lot of comics right now. It's all about you know putting TikTok clips up and stuff like that, and kind of what you said that they're not good enough yet right so it's like they're just putting garbage up and they're there's lots of people that are focusing on putting tiktok clips up and you know their social mm -hmm. media presence when really you're like you it's the equivalent of having like a really great storefront and you know a great pos system and a great you know employee base but your product's terrible right so there is that but there is also you know people that are building their social media base then by the time they get good at stand-up they have a fan base to go do it to how is your podcast doing the boys cast i looked at the numbers recently it's doing really well i think is it something that you're I just do, doing yeah, do maybe like a hundred thousand an episode right now yeah or is it something you're just doing when you have time do you want this to be the like are you just gonna go back and like you because now you're running three things you're running stand-up your videos and your podcast are we gonna go full bore with all three of them. Is that something you would recommend people do when they're, when they're in like this sort of entertainment space? I mean, yeah, I, that's like advice. that's four years too late almost. If you're <laughs> like, Hey, maybe I should start a podcast. I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah. If you're a comedian, the like kind of base level is, you know, putting stand up clips up and having a podcast, right. That's kind of the, the, that's like the standard model right now. It's like, as soon as you, oh, I would like that comedian. What's his podcast? That's kind of where people go to watch you, you know, for an hour and a half every week if they like you, right? Um, so it's kind of like your business card in some sense, the same way that your stand-up is. But I think that, uh, 
yeah, I have those things. And then there's the business elements that, you know, I have my like merch company that I'm wearing right now. So I'm sort of an apparel designer as well. So that's <laughs> another thing that I have. And I have a few other ideas and touring. So it's, I, I consider writing stand up in the city, one thing, and then, you know, touring another thing. So yeah, there's kind of like five or six components of like what I'm doing that I'm trying to always make them work to some degree in harmony, but the podcast does, I do put a lot of time into the podcast. So I would say that it probably occupies 10 to 12 hours a week. All right, let's move behind the paywall for the subscribers. Give them some bonus content. You can go to rebelnewsplus.com. Speaking of podcasts, $8 a month or $80 for the whole year. You'll get the extra segments with Ryan Long. Okay, one last question. Before we go to the paywall? Yes. Okay. Um, Okay, so do you know how, um, like, uh, if you're, like, have monkeypox, you have, like, an accent? You know, there's, like, the gay accent. Yes, Ryan, I do. Right, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, people have an accent? What? Is this news to you? (laughs) What? Is this news to you that gay guys sort of talk a certain way? Oh, no, okay. Well, how is that related to monkeypox? Okay, well, just because... Okay, so do you think that gay people that speak different languages, like, for example, Chinese, have a gay accent? Like, or is that just is that just an English thing? I, I would say it's just an English thing. And if we look at something specifically like Chinese, there's too much honor and integrity to denigrate your pronunciation of things or to change them whatsoever for anybody of any sexuality you want to be, even if... So you can't tell the difference. So you think in those countries, like if you see a Chinese guy... You can't like with the, when you see a gay guy here, you can kind of tell, right? Like you can't tell. <laughs> I like how you make sure this is before the paywall. Is this revenge for the technical difficulties? <laughs> well, you can't tell if a guy. Okay, you can't tell by a guy's accent if he likes big boobs or small boobs, right? But you can tell if he likes boobs at all. That's like a fact. You can generally tell, not always, but if someone has that accent, it's pretty good high percentage that they're gay. So in China or other countries where they don't speak English, can you not tell where you go, hey, this guy speaks? And because I, I don't know, that's a good it's a good question, right? It's a great question. It's a Is there like a, a pie chart where this is OK? Well, anyways, that's a question. Comment below. I think <laughs> Ryan, apart from gay accents and the World Economic Forum and your advice for comedians. What's is the what's I'm gonna have to ask you then if this is stale this advice what's the new thing that we should be striving towards what should I be doing now to stay ahead of the curve in stand up comedy in entertainment I mean sure in stand up comedy but I'm not one of these people who thinks that I can just become a comedian mm-hmm. well I mean yeah you guys got a, a a good business that's working really well but I think that the like the main thing is just treating it like a business. Like at the end of the day, like I said, it's, it's very difficult to be like, Oh, you know, I'll kind of just half-ass do this when creativity hits, it hits. It's like those, er (laughs) yeah, to me, that era is like silly. It's like all of the people that are, you know, you know, uh, rising the fastest and growing followings and making the biggest dents in culture and, you know, developing a fan base that likes, you know, what they do, uh, are all working really hard and operating, you know, this, like it's a, a business. And then, so then you need to find time to be able to balance those two things where you're like, how do I separate when I'm actually trying to be creative and trying to make good things. And when I'm trying to, you know, run a business. And I think that's like the hardest part 
but it's also the people who don't do that fall behind. I think the when I hear you talk about the the person who can't uh, half-ass it, it makes me think the equivalent in this is there's all these movies out there where it'll be a young girl who works for like an online magazine and she gets put on assignment and she's got three weeks to cover this assignment and they fly her out to write one story. This job does not exist. There's nowhere in the country <laughs> yeah. where you get to write one story every three weeks for like $50,000 a year no and way. all expenses yeah. paid. There was this, um, there's no, a catfishing a movie game. that's about that. Uh, I won't say the comedian's name. I just didn't think it was that great of a movie cut based on that concept where this girl flies across the country to cover a story about catfishing and her editor in this giant building is just like, all right, but if you don't do this story in the next three weeks, you're fired, young lady. Like this is the all- Anna Delvey, The Anna Delvey uh, Netflix movie was about that as well. It was uh, the Christmas movie with What's-Her-Face from Canada and uh, I don't want to say the comedian's name. I know that's bad when we say comedian's names that, uh, and say that I don't like it, so I won't. But um, I just think that's the, probably the equivalent of the journalism world where it's like just you can do whatever you want and you'll, be, you'll just be the successful writer for teenbeat.net or something like that. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, I know. So it is... Uh... It's like on some ways unfortunate, but yeah, you need to figure out a way that you're like, how do I make things that I think are good, but also uh, have a model that's sustainable? Like you can't just be, you know, making. So what you even if you're like, oh, let me work re like right now. Sometimes I'm just like, you know, it'd be cool to put tons of time into making these kind of cool short films. But it's like, why? Like, why would I do that? It just doesn't make any sense. So I think that, but then sometimes you got to do those things just to sort of flex and just to, you know, uh, remind yourself like what you're doing. You know, there's a lot of people that started making comedy and now they're, you know, they spend all their time dancing on TikTok to try to get an audience. And it's like, yeah, you got to find the balance with everything, right? Yeah, it's... Um, Remember it's they used to say one for them, one for me? I think a, a, <laughs> yeah the the movie industry mm -hmm. yeah and i think there's a version of that in everything for sure and i'm thinking that you're the first choice for the bam margera biopic if we take oh man <laughs> i hope so that would be yeah, amazing you're right i've never even thought of that if they make a biopic maybe i could be him but yeah everyone always says that to me I yeah I, I i get it so much and it's like i don't know if i Cause it's like face structure and stuff's not that much. And he's like a bit, a lot bigger than me in a lot of ways. And I'm kind of like taller and skinnier, but I think maybe our vibe is the same or something. Maybe that's what people think. No, I think it's the facial, like the core face. of your face. If you were to grab a skateboard and there was no context for how tall you are. And it was Bam Margera when he was 24, you could just like pass off as him. If we were just taking a, a photo in his clothes. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I see it. I think Do that for me, so please. Fat that it, yeah, he just got so, he just got so fat that maybe people forget. Pam rules though. Yeah, I've I refuse to watch Jackass in the theaters because they wouldn't let him be in it. It's like they won't let him be in it because he's drinking too much. But what was the first twenty years of Jackass? What was right. the fifteen? I guess we're too old for that now. Um, yeah, there is something. It's almost like it is funny. The like, hey, the. You got to be, hey, come on. You got to be sober if you're going to, you know, be punching us in the face and stuff like that, right? But <laughs> Too like, far. I mean, I do get it because they, you know, there's more to it. They have all these like relationships and it's not just that. It's like they feel like he's, uh, you know, not respecting them probably in some ways. And they have these tumultuous, you know, it's the 
the brother that uh you know kind of gets drunk and steals from your mom it's like how many times you let that happen i think that they probably see it to some degree like that as opposed to like oh it's not going to be good if he's drinking or maybe back on cameo though are you on cameo no they message me (laughs) once a month though do they that's good oh yeah you should do it you should spend your time at midnight and beyond just responding to random strangers for yeah that's why i don't do it i just i don't want that in my schedule <laughs> i don't want no i really i don't like you know i you have to kind of guard your time a little bit right and i, I don't want to i know that i it would bother me to even if it was every week you know and i think you're supposed to do them when they come in at least within 24 hours or 48 hours i just think it would bother me to wake up and have not like not be able to plan tomorrow and I know that you can be like, oh, it's just four minutes, but it's like, it's not just, nothing's just four minutes. It's brain space. And if you're somewhere where you can't do it, you got to go, you know, I had a, it's got Alex Stein in the podcast. You know mm-hmm. who he is? Yeah. The guy who's uh, going to city halls and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing these wild videos. He goes to city halls and which is like a genre now of people. Yeah. Just, people, the people are just going to all, the, all these city halls and like messing with them. It's like, there's going to be a point and I think they've had where it's like two of them. There's, it's getting to the point where it's like these city halls have like eight people and like five of them are messing with them for like YouTube videos, right? But yeah. he he's he does cameos and he was like at our podcast and he's like, Oh, I gotta go in the hallway and do a cameo. And he's like, after we finished, he like went to the bathroom and did these cameos. And it's like, I just don't want to be doing that. It's just not gonna be part of my business model unless I think that unless I was gonna like if I was gonna do it, I would like really go hard and be like, Hey, this is a four hours once a week and i'm taking it seriously and blah 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 but just to sort of like passively do it i think would bother me you're really going to turn into a real billy baldwin that way i think maybe one gilbert godfried apparently was making like millions a year he did one for somebody at our company for somebody's birthday and it was amazing it was truly spectacular right so that's an example of someone that i'm like i get what he's doing Andy Dick had one that was good too that we saw. Yeah, singing. some people are making. I actually used Cameo. I hired uh, people to do cameos to promote my stand-up special. I got Rachel Dolezal and the <laughs> Tinder swindler. What was the Tinder swindler? Is this the guy? There's this dude that uh, it's a big Netflix uh, series, but he was like swindling girls out of money that he met on Tinder. <laughs> Uh, Gilbert Godfrey, I, I saw recently before he died. I was doing this uh, festival skank fest in. Uh, yeah, we talked about that the last time. Yeah, in Houston. Yeah, we talked about Gilbert Godfrey on the phone. We did. Oh, okay, cool. But yeah, before he died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was. Uh, it was funny that he was. He was very, you know, kind of like old and frail. And then the minute he got on the stage, he killed, which was very cool. It's a very Ozzy Osbourne. I imagine like it was that. very it was very like that. Yeah. But there is a yeah, there's a lot of those kind of people that are definitely making a career off cameo. But my special is called uh, White Immigrant. So Rachel yeah. Dolezal was the the white woman that said <laughs> she's black. And I got her to do a special like, hey, you know, uh, congrats on being an immigrant on your special day for immigrating and like all this sort of stuff and getting your green card and it's so funny getting the the for my special white immigrant getting the like white woman who says she's black the trans the, like famous transracial woman what uh, i liked but, about that special is how quickly it seemed like you were like mid material you know if that makes sense i'm sure i don't know all the uh i don't know all the terms yet but right off the bat it goes right into everything i felt like and i really liked that about it uh, like it, it like it started very quick. I think my style is very kind of think of my style a little bit like 
kind of upbeat punk music and that it's <laughs> yeah it's it's like quick right like i'm i try to i think i do utilize almost like those old principles of like a joke every seven seconds and it's i kind of ever everything is very like if you actually like parse it out every joke i do is kind of under 45 seconds mm. and sometimes you know you put them together but they are all 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 of my jokes are kind of like stories little stories that take under a minute to tell see we're learning i should be taking notes for when i inevitably never do stand up i used to live across <laughs> the street from that oshawa yuck yucks and yeah. i've told myself for a year i'd go in on open mic night and never did and now here i am yeah i i never did that one. Oh, actually maybe i actually maybe i did but it's fairly I used new to, i used to do yuck yucks um i'm sure that now if i wanted to play them i could but their uh their their business model isn't really to bring in like american headliners it's kind of mm. like you know they just their idea i mean mark breslin once said that he was like you know i could put a dead guy's name on the sign and it, it doesn't make a difference <laughs> so you know canadian clubs are way more based on like american clubs the business model is like hey we're gonna bring a comedian in he's gonna bring his fans to fill up our restaurant twice a night right and he'll take a big percentage of the door where their model is like you're gonna come to see a comedian and it doesn't really matter who right but the yuck yucks i've always there it's like it's very cool what he's done but he also one of the they had uh, essentially this thing where if you played yuck yucks you're not allowed to play the other clubs and mm. me and my friends all were all, like the problem is if you do yuck yucks in other spots you couldn't get another enough spots whereas we were doing i think a lot of people got a got a lot worse because they were you know doing comedy three four or five nights a week whereas me and my friends were doing the corner comedy club like two to five uh spots a night right so i was you know especially with other places i was doing 15 20 a night when a lot of comedians were doing you know three to eight or whatever especially a lot of the yuck yucks comics so i think there's a reason why um three or four of the people I, I would say if i look at who's doing the best uh you know there's this guy che Dorena who's doing really well neiman nazira like I, some of my friends uh they were all in this little pocket of comedians that did the corner comedy club all night i think a lot of them are doing really well because it was um a good place to grow as a comedian yeah i i'm doing something i don't want to give it away soon where i'm going to be doing one of these shows in a comedy club hopefully it becomes something else but uh maybe when when you're back i'll try to try to do something like that with you last thing before you go um have you seen the new the kids in the hall reboot <laughs> No, I haven't seen I'll it. I'll tell can't... you. It's not good. No, it's better than I thought it was going to be. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, they went immediately into naked, full frontal frontal nudity of a 60 of them. <laughs> and Whoa. I was like, they knew that they had to hook people in somehow. And episode one, I think the very first skit is them full penis out. So it's good. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I'm happily surprised and happy to report. I always thought... Scott Thompson was kind of around and he would do shows like kind of our shows like uh, sometimes. And I always thought he was like nice guy and super funny. So that's cool. That uh, that's a good show. I just watched Ricky Gervais special too. I know that, you know, he talked about the trans stuff. So people are uh, getting mad or whatever, but I thought, uh, I think he's, I think he's, I know that he's obviously like one of the most famous people in the world, but some people will be like, Oh yeah, but he's, you know, he's okay at comedy. Cause he started comedy at like 50 or 45 or whatever it is. But I think he's funnier than anyone. I think the special is really good. I think at this point, if the there's a Twitter moment saying 
people are mad at the person's trans jokes and it's probably a good special at this I point. said that in my special. I said that you have to do trans jokes is the only way to get press now. <laughs> I said that. But the uh, I think that Ricky Gervais, what I was thinking about when I was watching it uh, a couple nights ago is that he's the best in the world. I think he's one of the best in the world at doing uh, misdirections where he he uh he 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 uh when you're listening to it you do believe his premise so he always actually does fish you in in the sense that there's a lot of comics they start saying something and i'm like oh i know you're just gonna flip this like you know what i mean mm -hmm. but then he never he never goes too far the other way where you disagree with his point like a lot of people would do a misdirection uh where they might be like you know, I think girls are stronger than men. And then, but actually, then they sort of flip it. And obviously, but they, during that moment where you said, I think girls are stronger than men, you're kind of like, what? And then you start thinking and it's like, you think that? And then they're like, oh, I was just kidding. And you're like, I think the reason what makes his good is his first part is plausible. So it doesn't, it doesn't make you think something weird. Like, why, why is he saying that? Like it's smooth. His original premise is something that he's going to flip, but it also is the perfect amount that you didn't start your mind didn't start to wander and i think he's better than that when anyone else i mean even just like on one little joke that it was like just a nothing joke but I, he said um you know i get it for gay people and minorities you're you know five percent of the population or five you know ten percent of the population so sometimes it feels like you're this small group that's going against the way bigger groups and you know for me i'm a straight uh white you know multi-millionaire and uh, there's only one percent of us, so you know you don't hear me complaining. And it's like, yeah, that's a good example of that. Yeah, because when he said, because he says the first part, and then he goes, and I'm a straight white multimillionaire, like that in itself was like a sentence that didn't need, like you're not like they didn't need to be misdirected. So he actually tells you something that was like uh, a through line that doesn't leave people wandering, and then he flips you. Whereas most people say something that. I'm, I generally, I'm like, oh, he's going to flip this. Like, mm -hmm. I generally can see that. So I think that's what I, I took away from that special a little bit. It was like, man, he's good at that. All right. Uh, comedy lessons from Ryan Long. Ryan Long comedy. I think it wasn't it's... lessons. <laughs> For me, it <laughs> that is. Was just, that was just what I liked. That's For what I, budding I comedians and talk show hosts on news channels, it's life lessons. Um. I think it says June 12th up there for Vancouver, BC, Ryan Long Comedy on YouTube. Go to his website. Uh, Vancouver and Edmonton. Vancouver I'm and at, Edmonton for Canadians. I have a new hour. It's going to be cool. It will be cool. It better be cool. Yeah, I've else. been touring it around and I feel like really good about it already. Like I, I was, uh, I've only, I've done four weekends with this new hour and it's honestly pretty tight right now. No attempts at being stabbed, no tacklings, no slaps. <laughs> not unfortunately i know that that's the that's a hot thing for people to do right now it's a go-to thing all right yeah. ryan long great to talk to you as always um don't uh don't tell anybody what i said earlier all right just uh, cut it out of everything um censorship only at ryanlongcomedy.com Hitting my dreams, break the seams, tearing us apart